This week's podcast brought to you by Lundi Gras. We had a snow day yesterday, but so did much of the nation, and it snowed in Los Angeles. And friend of the podcast, Sam Farmer, posted video uh, on social media of his neighbor, of the snow falling outside their house in Southern California, and the neighbor kid, confused, startled, amazed, and uh, inexperienced, walking out of his house in the snow with an umbrella. (laughs) Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane So our daughter, our 12-year-old, posed an interesting question to me this morning as we were leaving the house to bring her to school. She just finished her breakfast and she said, she said, would life be easier And she's made sure to say, not better, but would it be easier if you couldn't taste anything? And I said, well, I wouldn't want that because, you know, enjoyment and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, no, I know that's one. But would it be easier? And I said, you know what? Yeah, it would probably be a lot easier. People would probably only eat the things that made their body feel really good and that were good for them. I said, you know, we'd probably only eat stuff that was grown and you know, not packaged and processed and whatever. But I just thought it was like a really sort of interesting and insightful way for her to ask that question. You could extend your life, a life of not enjoying anything that you eat. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, it would just, think about it. If if nothing had, I mean, there would still be texture and temperature that play into it. But if nothing, if, if, if there was no taste whatsoever involved in eating food, right, you would, for the most part, eat just things that were good for you because everything that's kind of bad for you the whole reason you eat it is because it tastes good i think you or you would eat stuff that is the least expensive which is usually not good for you you know it's the dollar value meal but but i don't know that like would that stuff still exist you know wouldn't it be easier to just have everything like grown i mean say say her her question was not like if you just individually i took her question to be like if the human body so if everybody couldn't taste and therefore there would be you know everybody would just eat the easiest thing and i would imagine that would be stuff that's grown what prompted this was she eating uh, I don't know, crunch, I was with crunch berries as she was saying no this at she breakfast? had you know i made her eggs for breakfast but i actually thought about that like wow was that i'm was her breakfast really bad that this bland? morning? <laughs> was it that bad that she was wishing that she couldn't taste it? Um, I don't know what prompted it. I'll have to ask her that after school today because it's kind of interesting. But uh, well, it's one of the great philosophical perversities of the universe: is why isn't stuff that tastes good good for you, and stuff that tastes bad bad for you? You would think that would be an evolutionary concept where, oh, don't eat this; it tastes bad. It's warning your body you shouldn't have this. So ice cream would be nutritious but i bet i i think in nature like before man gets gets a hold of it all i think that's true like stuff that smells bad 
you're not supposed to eat. Like there's a reason things go sour and they smell that way. Stay away, you know. Um, don't don't be the person who says, you know, kale is delicious. Uh, no, but um but berries and fruit and stuff is, sure. you know. Um I, anyway, I, like I, I wasn't trying to get into a philosophical no, no, discussion. I just thought it was a super interesting but, question for but her to pose. I, I thought of this the other night. You weren't here. You haven't been here, I don't think. I think you've been away six of the last seven nights. I've been gone. Some out of town, some in studio. Yeah. But one of those nights we ordered takeout, kind of pan Asian takeout. Mm -hmm. Okay. And one of the things that the kids like is sweet and sour chicken. Yes. And what I like about the sweet and sour chicken, and I thought while while we were having it, if if it comes with that kind of uh, orange nuclear sauce, mm-hmm. um, but what I was thinking as I was eating it, if, if you had to have your last meal, you're going to the firing squad tomorrow, and you were given your last meal. What Why would do it I be? Have to be going to the firing squad? Why can't we have another hypothetical? Last okay, meal? okay. You're, you're well because you know it's your last meal. It's planned in advance. So, okay, you're, you're having... I'm going into space, and this is going to be my last You're going into space, and you'll be existing okay. on uh, on just tang and and stuff out of a tube for the next 20 years. Just slightly better than the, the firing squad, although if I indeed have been gone six of the last seven nights, I can understand why you used that example. No, 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 no. I, 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 would, I, prefer, <laughs> I prefer your example. You've been gone so often that I'm, I'm launching you into the sun. Okay? Sending me into space. Sending yes. you into space. And you're having your last meal. I, you know, I always say you'd load up on pizza and ice cream and beer and that sort of stuff. I think the, the warm chunks of pineapple that the kids pick around in the sweet and sour chicken, that mm-hmm. might be my last meal. There's nothing I like more than a than warm chunk of pineapple. The warm chunk of pineapple in that comes with the sweet and sour chicken. In fact, I told our, our high school da- daughter that uh, try it, try a chunk of this. She said, what is it? It's pineapple. Ugh, it's warm. Just try it. If you don't like it, don't have any more. She tried it, she, and then she was trying to seek out the other chunks of it in the sweet and sour chicken. It was so good. Anyway. Oh, okay. I, I, if, if, if I, if I, I do I, go to a firing squad, yes. please don't. Don't hold me to that. I don't want just yeah. a 10 pounds of warm pineapple. Um, I don't like warm pineapple. I don't think pineapple belongs warm. I like cold pineapple. So I where, do, where do you find pineapple in nature? In warm places. Yeah, but, I, but okay, so I like room temperature. Like when you've cut into a fresh pineapple, I like that. If it's been cut and then put in the fridge in cold, I like that. I'm not a big warm pineapple person like on a Hawaiian pizza or... On um, in that sauce. You're familiar with the Beatles song "Happiness Is a Warm Pineapple," right? <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I do like pineapple on pizza. I'm a, unapologetic, and um, I mean, I don't dislike it, but it's not my first choice. Fair enough. Well, uh, let's create a separate uh, spinoff podcast about warm pineapple. <laughs> okay. And move on on this one. One of the places you were gone while you were absent from our house was. Iowa City, you witnessed a spectacular game and a great atmosphere. Tell us about that, Rebecca. <laughs> well, first of all, getting to Iowa City, I flew through O'Hare Connection to get there. Of course, everything was delayed. My flight out of Hartford was delayed. My flight from Chicago to um, Iowa City was, or I didn't go into Iowa City. I went into Cedar Rapids. That was delayed. Can I just interject when? Uh, when my brother was standing outside of O'Hare after a bomb threat several years ago, 
along with all the other passengers, beneath a sign that said, Welcome to Chicago, Richard M. Daly, Mayor, Mm -hmm. Mm D-A-L-E-Y. A guy standing next to him said, It should be Richard M. Delay. But anyway. (laughs) And uh, O'Hare is just not my favorite airport um, at all. Actually, when we were flying back, L. Duncan, um, who is our host, and uh, she, she said, she's like, I've never, like... I think it was her first time flying through O'Hare, and she was looking around. She's like, this airport isn't very nice. I said, yeah, when I was flying through this airport 30 years ago, as, as we're walking under the dinosaur, um, I said, uh, it looked exactly like this. It's like one of the ma- uh, main airports that hasn't had a major facelift in who knows how long. But And familiarity breeds contempt. It's like your third time in the last four or five yeah, weeks that you've been there. Yeah, I've been flying through O'Hare a lot lately, which is weird because it's not a typical place for me to go through. But Anyway, so I'm at one of the, I'm at a, one of the gates at O'Hare where there's like you go down the same tunnel for three different planes, so it's like gate I don't know what it was 22, 23, 24, and our flight's delayed, so I'm only half paying attention. I'm like watching something on my computer, and then I see that oh they're boarding, so I get up and I go down. I'm just about to give them my phone to scan, and I realized this flight's going to Notre Dame. It's going to South Bend. <laughs> turn back around they where, where you've been recently right it, true where I, where I was a couple of weeks ago so I turned around and came back and um and a, a gentleman started talking to me he said uh yeah he said I didn't think you were going to South Bend you're going to Iowa for the or for the game tomorrow I said yeah he knew your schedule better than you did well he said my daughter plays for Iowa I said which one's your daughter and he said, uh, Gabby Marshall. And I said, ah, oh, she's been shooting well lately. She, uh, One of their <laughs> starting guards uh, who had started the season kind of struggling. Had, had she three. been shooting poorly lately, would you have said, ah, she's been shooting poorly lately? No, no, I would not. But uh, but she has. She's been shooting great. So anyway, I started talking to him. He was super nice and um, eventually got to um, Cedar Rapids. But this is, this is an important thing. So before I left, I, that was, I guess, Saturday... I was speaking on the phone to one of your former mentees at Marquette, John Steppy, who was doing an article. Now of the Cedar Rapids Gazette, yes. Yes, who was doing an article on College Game Day. And so that's why he was talking to me, because we were out there for going to be out there for College Game Day. And he said, would you like me to pick you up at the airport? It's, it can be challenging to get an Uber in the evenings there. And I would normally say... No, because I don't want to put anybody out. But I said... By the way, a title of your future memoir, yes. Ubers in the Evenings. Yes. So, I, But anyway, I said yes. So this poor dude, my flight's delayed. So he thinks he's picking me up at whatever time. Well, it's just getting later and later. But can I just say how thankful I was when I landed at that little airport and walked out? It would have been probably close to an hour it, it, to get an Uber if there was if it was possible at all. I don't even know if it was possible. I might have ended up renting a car. Um, he was there, picked me up, brought me to my hotel. We had an incredible college game day. There was, I don't know how many thousands of fans showed up. They were there early. Um, for people who don't watch, college game day is an hour-long show that happens, you know, a couple hours before the game even tips off. And um, there were so many fans in, in, in the building. They were super energized. It was awesome. They had signs some of which had various plays on your last name. Yeah, my favorite was I'm here for Lobo and Logo 3s because Caitlin Clark's known for her Logo 3s. And then we had this incredible basketball game. 
Uh, number two team in the country, Indiana, was the visiting team. Iowa, not sure what they were ranked at the time, but they were top ten. And uh, anyway, really high scoring. Both teams are really efficient. Shot making on both sides. And then with 1.8 seconds left, I think. Uh, I think it was 1.4. And Iowa down two points. Inbound to Caitlin Clark. Fading away. Hits a three-pointer for uh, Iowa to win. The crowd just went absolutely nuts. It was one of the best environments I've ever been in, uh, especially for a regular season game. And one of the best games that I've had a chance to call, especially in college. Um, anyway, the, it was a it was an absolute blast. In those buzzer beaters, the 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 refs usually speed out to the tunnel, and their tires are squealing in the parking lot moments later. And and you know and, and as well as you, that is actually not true because you know in a buzzer beater. No, you know what I'm thinking. The I'm, first the, thing the refs are the monitor do. check. Yes. Yeah, I'm thinking of high school You're basketball. High school. Yes, where where it happened recently, but but I digress. The first thing they're going to do was is go and review to make sure it got off in time. I give our like we never even mentioned that they were reviewing it. It was clear that it was yeah. had it gone up and through. We just let the whole celebration happen. Meanwhile, um, Celtics Sixers this past week in Philadelphia, uh, Joel Embiid hits a three quarter court shot. Just after the buzzer, um, is that after shot. Jason Tatum hit? Yeah, hit, hit, the hit a, a game a, winner. A, a what traditionally would have been a buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sixers inbounded and Embiid launched the length of the court more or less. It went in, but the Sixers didn't celebrate. He didn't celebrate. He knew that it was uh, just after the buzzer. Mm-hmm. He can see the scoreboard, the uh, backboard lighting up. Yeah. He didn't pretend that it had gone in. In other words, right and. Um, I kind of admired that. Yeah. But you were at a high school game while I was gone, and uh, there was a shot that well, you thought was yeah, but after the, but the there buzzer. But there, no, there aren't multiple cameras. There, aren't, there isn't a backboard that lights up. I, I have no idea, um, you know, uh, and, and I understand the refs have to make the call, you know, in real time without the benefit of hindsight. But after they made the call, you said they certainly well, I, I do think I think, I do think there, that right? the two sounds you hear are, are the buzzer, and then seconds later, Tires squealing in the parking lot. Yes. Okay. Um, so. But appropriately I, so. Yes. Yes. So this week I'm headed off to Greenville, South Carolina, for the that's where College Game Day is for the SEC championship game. And uh, what's kind of funny is like when we do these College Game Day shows, there's a lot of prep and work and stuff you do ahead of time, including breaking down the matchup and the teams that are going to play and you know all this stuff. It's really hard in a tournament because we're not going to know the two teams who are playing on Sunday until Saturday night at 9 p.m. or whenever the second and, semifinal and, game and, finishes. And if it's, say, South Carolina, number one in defending national champions, you're going to have to scramble to, to research. A, <laughs> well, what, what, no, what? of course you can guess. All right, on this side of the bracket, I'm assuming South Carolina comes out of it. I'm just this saying. This side of the bracket, I'm, just, I'm assuming yeah. LSU comes out of it. Those are the two top seeds. But say there's an upset along the way. Um, it makes things uh, slightly more challenging in terms of preparing our breakdown tapes and all those fun kind of things. By the way, the uh, the, the Marquette Golden Eagles uh, won the, the men won the Big East outright last night with the victory. You say over you're wearing your Marquette hat. Well, in I'm, the I'm doing that for warmth. Yeah, I know, but you're still wearing it. I am wearing it. Um, so I just thought I'd drop that in. We've talked a couple of times on the podcast of how we've found this 
coffee that we love. We're using the coffee grinder every day now. Even when I go on the road, I pre-grind some coffee and I don't know if it's pre-grinding, but I grind some and I leave it for you to make it, you know, just the individual cups. Pre-grinding. Mm-hmm. You're grinding it before you grind it. Yes. This is the problem. This is the problem. So I was in Iowa on Saturday and Sunday for college game day and that game. But before that, I was in Knoxville, Tennessee for South Carolina it, at Tennessee. And before you went, they announced at the airport, uh, those, uh, we're, we're all begin our pre-grinding process. <laughs> So that morning, I got a coffee at Starbucks, drank like three sips of it, and I couldn't drink any more of it. It just was not yummy. Spat it out. Yeah, it, I got what I would normally get there, with the, and just no, I didn't spit it out, but I threw I it in didn't the face of the, the nearest. Of uh, yeah, not good. So then, okay, I've had three sips of coffee. So then I go to one of the practices. After, after practice, had lunch with Ryan and Holly, and at the restaurant got a cup of coffee. Nope, couldn't do that one either. And then after, um, then we went to the other practice. We were somewhere, third place, third try, got a cup of coffee. Couldn't do it. It's just, it wasn't, I mean, and I'm not a coffee snob. I'm not, I'm not that particular, but I was 0 for 3. In Knoxville, Tennessee. That sounds like a good so- uh, song lyric. 0 for 3 in Tennessee. Yeah. I kind of like the better with the Knoxville. 0 for 3 in Knoxville, Tennessee. Doesn't scan as well, but sure. Yeah. So anyway, I may have ruined myself. I may, I may have to grind up. Before I go, like, I'm going to be back, I think, in Greenville for this year. There's just two sites for the regionals instead of four regional sites. So um, one of them is in Seattle. The other is in Greenville, South Carolina. I think I'll be in Greenville, but could be in Seattle. I may need to pre-grind some beans and pack them with me to make my own coffee when I'm on the road in my little hotel Keurig because we have purchased these little plastic things that uh, are reusable that you can put your own coffee in to use in the Keurig. I probably won't have as much difficulty out in Seattle. They're probably more known for good coffee than Greenville, but who knows? Well, because I started drinking coffee in the past year, and I started at the top, I guess, with good coffee, Mm -hmm. according to you. I mean, it's good, but I don't know. I don't have anything to compare it to. I kind of want to try now coffee that, like the coffee that my mom and dad drank when I was growing up. Maxwell House, or what? They they? were Hills Brothers people. With the... uh, Out of the the can, though? Out of the can with the... uh, the the guy in the turban. I'm looking at the can. What color now. was the can? Vintage can. You know, you recognize that. People still keep those cans oh, totally. with, with yeah. you know nuts and bolts in them or something yeah, on, the, yeah. on their workbench. Um, or you know, Folgers crystals. Yeah. That, that always seemed on the by the commercials to be some kind but of. But our premium. parents didn't drink that because that was instant. They weren't having instant coffee. Sanka. What was Sanka? What is Isn't Sanka? That tea? I mean, Hills Brothers still exists. It just doesn't have the cool can. Anymore. Well, I can um. I can get you some at the grocery if you want to try it just to like when I'm gone. It'll make you appreciate me more if I if I leave you with bad coffee. Well, that's not saying it's bad coffee. coffee. It might be it might well, be true. It may be it may be exactly what maybe exactly what you want. See, this I mean, is the problem when you do when you can taste things to circle back to our daughter's question is that all of a sudden instead of just a warm beverage that has no flavor Although that's, I think, what all three of my cups of coffee were in Knoxville. <laughs> um, 
it would just be like something warm that you were enjoying if you were the had the if you were the flavorless human. Well, you've 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 brought the podcast full, full circle. I have. Okay, um, we have we didn't do a With podcast that, last week. Should we week. do? Should yeah, we, we do viewer mail? We probably have some uh, viewer mail piling up. Let's. Uh, be pretty embarrassing if we didn't. But let's start digging into that pile. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Our first viewer mail comes from Christina, Nate, Aaliyah, and Elliot. Okay, A L E I A. Four people. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't specify the authorship. But okay, it's but signed it comes. This is our first group multi-person Let's correspondence. See. Dear Rebecca and Steve. Our kids were thrilled to hear our email read on your podcast a few weeks ago. Number one, props to Steve for announcing our daughter Aaliyah's name correctly. Aaliyah, there's a phonetic, parenthetical phonetic pronunciation, right. and, and we always appreciate that. Even though we failed to provide any guidance, it's rare that anyone gets it on the first try, and we are often flummoxed how the announcer at Swim Meets manages to announce it incorrectly multiple <laughs> different ways during the same day. Do they? How do they spell it, or do they only spell it phonetically for you? No, no, A-L-E-I-A. Oh, I exactly, can understand exactly why. as I no no no. I mean, I I got it. There's so many Aliyas in women's college basketball. Two of Different the best spellings, players yeah. in the country, Aliyah Boston, A L I Y A H, Aliyah Edwards, A A L I Y A H. But in both of their cases, I would pronounce it Aliyah. Right, right off the bat. But um, yes, and and it, it's it's a much more beautiful spelling than U H hyphen L E E hyphen U H. Although that's a helpful phonetic guide, mm-hmm. and uh, we have kids whose names uh, some people have difficulty pronouncing. Number two, we wanted to update you that we found a cure for basketball ambivalence—a trip to Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, Kansas, my hometown. Rebecca, have you been to Allen Fieldhouse? Ku, I've played there. I think. I mean that that, that is such a such an obnoxious flex that. Uh, my senior I, I'm going year, to allow it, as a judge would say. My senior year, we played at Kansas. It was a, a doubleheader with our men's team. So I've... It's, it's, the, it's the I believe that I find obnoxious, much in the way that... Uh, no, I was trying to think, like, we didn't play in a... No. Like their Air, Civic Center yeah, or yeah. something, you know. It wasn't a special event. No, we played there. We, we played... We did, no, now that I remember, we played Kansas, but it was in the Houston Astrodome because they no, needed 50,000 no, seats. No, you know what I mean. So we played there, and then later that day, our men played, and they got. we had tickets and went, and I am... Literally, we were in top row or second to top row. I remember thinking at the time, man, <laughs> I'm, I guess I'm glad that they got us tickets, but all the way up here... <laughs> Uh, in January, we, wa- we watched the Jayhawks men's team take on Iowa State in a thrilling, very close game. Unsurprisingly, our son was enthralled, but our daughter also couldn't help but get caught up in the fun of the pep band and the student section and the great game. There were no books in sight. She liked it so much that she willingly agreed to attend a Timberwolves game a few weeks later. Oh, yes. Aaliyah is the one who reads everywhere. That's yes. right. That's yes, right. Yes, yes, yes. yes. We've got a, a school, um, a middle school reading challenge going on. Uh, it's the, the entire K through eight, and so we're trying to uh, uh, up our reading game here at home. And we've been taking a book in the car, and uh, you know, our daughter's been reading from the shotgun seat to get her 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 minutes up. Yeah. 
Oh, she's been she's enjoying. We're reading The Princess Bride, which I read with our oldest daughter uh, some years ago. It's a great book. Um, number three, alas, the cure was short-lived or short-lived, depending on. There's two schools of thought on that one, Rebecca. Short-lived or short-lived. I think I prefer short-lived. As the Timberwolves game we attended happened to be a lackluster performance against the Magic that ended in the Mo Bamba Austin Rivers fisticuff. So of course, Ooh. not sure her interest in basketball will recover from that one. Um, I hope the Timberwolves are not the uh, the uh, antidote to an interest in basketball. <laughs> right, right. Thanks again for the podcast, Christina, Nate, Aaliyah, and Elliot. Not yet a completionist, but working our way through the back catalog. I like that there is a back catalog, I Rebecca. I do, too. Our resident party bus driver, Ralph in Colorado, writes, Hello, Rebecca and Steve. Do you guys still keep a container of cooked bacon in your refrigerator? I <laughs> thought of you this morning while my wife and I were at Waffle House for breakfast. She ordered a side of bacon and wasn't exactly wolfing it down as one does when eating bacon. I took a bite and it tasted like trout. Trout! <laughs> I took a bite and it tasted like trout. Yeah, you don't want your bacon t- tasting like trout. You don't mind so much if your trout tastes like bacon. Uh, Ralph writes, needless to say, one at Waffle House, get the waffles. Now, find me a bacon house. <laughs> How do you screw up bacon? Other than undercooking it and making it well, all rubbery. Storing, and not- storing it with trout, I think, is yeah. a... Is well, a- is the Waffle House doesn't, doesn't serve fish. Must have been really bad grease or something. Who I don't knows? know. I, I I do know that if you go to Waffle House, don't order the trout. Yeah. Oh, you unless go. you unless you want something that smells like bacon. Right. Right. Well, that's uh, that's uh, you know what, Rebecca. I've never been to a Waffle House. I have never had the pleasure. You've never been to a Waffle House. I I probably have told this story before. I went to a Waffle House once. I was pl- when I was playing for the Springfield Spirit. I think we were somewhere in Tennessee. Me and my teammates. Like we walked across the parking lot from whatever motel we were staying in. We went to a Waffle House and I had the nerve to order egg whites. <laughs> the guy looked at me like I was nuts, came back and served me my scrambled egg whites that had clearly been fried and scrambled like with the grease they use for everything else, just like egg whites surrounded by grease. But well, of course, well, what was serve, I thinking? You don't yeah, order what, what? egg whites at a Southern Waffle House. What a moron. You were, I remember your egg white days. When you, you, when you visited uh, visit my dad, he got an egg white, se- egg white separator. He went and purchased, which I didn't even know existed. I would just like go back and forth into the, the half of the shell. And, uh, but your father purchased an egg white separator. I think, I think, I think he, he already owned one so he could have just yolks. <laughs> he would separate out the egg whites and throw them away. Yes. He was glad that, that you came and uh, made use of them. Uh, Ed, our resident patent attorney in Maryland writes uh hi steve and rebecca hello ed back in november you were talking about dusty baker on the podcast and i wanted to share something that i heard once dusty is said to have invented the high five and his insights on that steve that that's kind of a remarkable cultural contribution alas not a patentable one uh by the way i just read your si profile of dusty from 1999 it was lovely thank you ed um i think i do remember uh uh bringing this up Dusty has been credited, I believe, with inventing the high five, and and I, I uh, this is just off the top of my head now, but I, I think that it's unverifiable, and and almost every time somebody is credited as having been the first, uh, I got this advice from uh, Bill Francis at the uh, baseball, baseball Hall of, of Fame. Fame, who told me when I was researching a book on baseball that whenever you're tempted to declare something the first or whenever anything is declared the first you can always go 
uh, further back in history and find somebody who did it before that. Um, not in every single case, but in most cases, he 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 was right. Yeah, because I mean, uh, who was the first person to 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 raise their their palm higher than right. their shoulder and and stop? Right. I mean, it's it's unver. Did Dusty popularize it one summer with one with with the Dodgers? I, I have to go back. It's yeah. been a long time since I was uh, profiling Dusty, but. Uh, it's a great question, Ed. We used to have a boss at ESPN who, if you dared use the phrase first ever during a call of a game, he would get so annoyed by that. And, you know, that's redundant. It's just the first. And you're like, but yeah, but sometimes you need the emphasis of first yeah. ever. And uh, it would make him like we would have these college basketball seminars and he would in the seminar say that don't ever say first ever. Well, I love what I love is when when they say the the uh, more or first or greatest in human history. I, I do like that because it almost always applies to something whose whose uh, duration is considerably shorter than human history. Right. So, right. Uh, you know, yesterday is the most covered song in human history. Well, yes, I mean they've only been recording music for right. one hundred of those billion years but but sure they i mean they should say human history on earth because maybe there's humans elsewhere well or, or yeah, yeah exactly and they shouldn't shouldn't say anything uh just say it's it's sold a lot of copies or whatever Stephen rebecca uh, writes uh maureen in arizona oh she's requesting swag so i can so we can wear it proudly at the final four thanks well let me make you gotta me. get that out I'll send it out the... tomorrow because I've I've still a little people swag from last year I think so my apologies but I'm keeping I'm I'm marking this as unread and we'll we'll send that out. Um, coach D writes, dear Rebecca and Steve, your resident hockey coach here checking in. Thanks, oh, hello. thanks for reading my email the other week. I hope you're checking your PO box more than once a month as the Saint Mike's gear was sent a while ago. Oh, we haven't gotten it. We- well, we haven't gone to our PO box. I mean, in a we while. we haven't gotten it from we our PO box. We haven't gotten our mail, yeah. But I, hmm. Well, thank you for sending that out, uh, Coach D. I'm I'm confident that it's there at the post office. Yes. We have to retrieve it. But it would be better if we had it. It would be much better, and we will uh, we will. This will give us a little cliffhanger for next for our next podcast. We will tell you if we've received it. We also, Rebecca, you need to tweet out a picture of the of our tertiary pantry bag from. Oh, yes. L.L. Bean. Yes. Yes, I do. Ideally filled with car snacks. I wanted to chime in on the recent uh, sauce episode. Steve had asked if there was ever an instance to use the term sauce in a basketball setting. Well, basketball vernacular is not my forte. I mean, I can hold my own during March Madness, but the game of hockey offers perhaps the most well-known use of the word of the words saucer, sauce, and saucy. It stems from a highly skilled player called a saucer, a highly skilled play, excuse me, called a saucer pass. This is a play where one player lifts the puck off the ice when passing to another player, usually to avoid an opponent's stick or body part. This is not an easy pass to learn, and it takes a lot of time and skill to perfect. The passing player has to lift the puck ever so slightly while making it flutter just a tad so that it lands on the ice just so, and the receiving player doesn't miss a beat when handling it. When this play occurs, the players that observe it can use any one of the following terms, like sick sauce, mm-hmm. nice sauce, those are some saucy mitts. 
I like it because it's like go- a flying saucer. Yes, meaning good skilled hands, etc. So hockey. I'm going to introduce sauce. Get to, get to get the basketball the, uh, vernacular. If somebody has great deft hands on a play, saucy mitts. Say I'm borrowing to borrow a phrase from hockey. hockey. Those are some saucy mitts. Like okay, it. so so- hockey certainly has the sauce market covered. On another note. Thanks to DGS for the shout-out. I was happy to hear him mention Hamilton College on a prior episode as me, my sister, and my dad are proud alums. Steve, did you know that although Hamilton College and Colgate University are separated by only 20 miles or so, Colgate is located in Hamilton, New York, and Hamilton is located in Clinton, New York? I believe that I that, that is one of those uh, why do we drive in a parkway and park in a driveway conundrums, Rebecca. I did a game there, didn't I? Did you did. You and I go? You did a game at Colgate. And we, uh, it was in January. And we stayed at a cabin or something. No, we, we stayed at a hotel that? that was sort of in the woods, yeah. And and you did the game with uh, with legendary Yankees announcer John Sterling on the S Network. Didn't we start at some weird cabin and then moved into town? Or am I, am I mixing no, up no, two I think of we, the we, different we, places? No, no, I think we dined in town games. or something, yeah. but we, we, um, we, I think we stayed in the, in, the, in the cabin in the woods. Yeah, we stayed in the cabin in the woods, but you're right, we, what we dined. I remember town. because we were we were in a cabin in the woods and and uh, I had just seen misery and as a writer I was uh, concerned traumatized yeah be well go Huskies Coach D thank you Coach D we will uh, check our PO box for for uh, hockey swag and we we do appreciate it Ted from the lower from the Lower East Side checks in um, and Ted Ted has a fascinating format to his email here, Rebecca. He he sends an unabridged email, and his own abridged version of his unabridged email. The cliff notes to his own novel. Hi, Receiva. I tend to expound in my email, so I'm providing unabridged and condensed versions. Steve, as a master of viewer mail, you get to choose. Perhaps it will depend if it's a slow viewer mail week. To be fair, I'm having a proud father moment and wanting to share with the BNC Pod family. Well, let's let's share, shall we, Rebecca? Yes. Ted writes. Uh, you mentioned that our daughter is rehearsing for a middle school play. She is indeed. This brought back memories of my daughter, Lily, uh, who, as a young girl, I encouraged to play sports but left to her own devices. She wanted to sing, dance, and perform with any youth theater program she could find. Um, for a while, she appeased me and played softball, basketball, and flag football, but her, put her own spin on how she should be played. She was the only middle school softball pitcher in history who did pirouettes before releasing pitches, befuddling batters and umpires, but drawing cheers and stares of amazement from opposing parents. Well, this is, this is I mean, this is exactly. This is so great. Exactly what you want. Um, in fact, I, I, as I've said before, I wish our kids were sort of in performing arts rather than sports frequently because nobody, I assume, is, is a booing, uh, shouting out heckles or... Um, I bet you'd be surprised. Well, I probably would be surprised. Um, Lily officially retired her softball glove after freshman year in high school to join the Paul Taylor Modern Dance Teen Ensemble. She was a vocal major at LaGuardia High School, auditioned in 37 cities, uh, high school featuring featured in the movie Fame, went on to the BFA dance program at UMass Amherst, and this past summer for more than 7,000 aspiring performers who auditioned in 37 cities, she was cast as one of the featured singers in a brand new show, Hits the Musical, which is kicking off a national tour this Thursday in Asheville, North Carolina. That's so great. Congratulations. That's, that's wonderful. I'm going down to Asheville, writes Ted, for the premiere and plan to catch 10 or so shows during the course of the run. Here's a link to the show websites, which has tour dates and links to buy tickets. That's, that's www.thehitstour.com. 
Deanne Warwick recently signed on as one of the executive producers to add some firepower to the marketing side, and she pops up first when you go to the website. That's awesome. That's so cool. That's so, so great. How uh, exciting as a parent, right? Super exciting. I mean, whatever whatever your kids are doing. I was wondering how Rebecca's parents felt when she started gaining traction on the national level as a recruit, then as an All-American and, and the Olympics. I've been through high school and college performances with my daughter, but it will be hard not to cry after seeing all her hard work and chasing her dreams become reality. Rebecca, um, what were your parents um, as, as you came to kind of national prominence? I don't know. What were their, you, we you weren't around. We really talked about it. And I know they were proud, but all I can remember with my parents is uh, like if we were, if I was somewhere with my mom and somebody came over and talked to her about me as a basketball player, and this was when I was in high school, college, and beyond, you must be so proud of her. And my mom's response always, always was, I'm proud of all my children. And I remember at the time thinking like, it's all right if you're just proud yeah. of me at the moment. Like right. my brother and sister yes. aren't standing here, but... I totally get it now because I was the one getting most of the attention, but I'm proud of all of my children. And uh, so that that's that's the that's it. I, like, I can't even I never sat down where my my parents ever had a conversation. Well, we're so proud of you for or or anything. Well, when people, as they do frequently, compliment me, uh, compliment you to me when you're not there. I always respond. I'm, I'm proud of all of my wives. <laughs> I am glad you are. Uh, just in conclusion here, Ted says, my daughter is a few years older than than um, than when you came to uh, prominence in college, but I imagine the two of you are going through a few moments where you see your children achieving things and get nostalgic over or even overwhelmed by the journey you've been on with them. I, I, I think that's true of, of all parents and uh, instant nostalgia. I mean, my nostalgia window goes is is sometimes simultaneous. As yesterday, we had a snow day. And there was just beautiful, pristine white snow covering everything. And uh, we were at my son and high school age daughter. Um, he's my son too. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, you can but, say but, our, but, our son. But, but you weren't out there. That's we true. were out there shoveling so, snow. So he's just your son. If shoveling I'm snow, <laughs> clearing the car off, and um, and you were at, you were inside asking me to send pictures from from twenty feet away, the driveway. I know, but I uh, but I was having in simultaneous nostalgia for the event that was happening in front of me, thinking this might be the last time. That was the first time we had a big snowfall this year. That um, these two are out here building a snowman and and you know trying to snowboard down the driveway. Ever, I mean, who knows? Yeah. I don't we get the big snow next year. Two things. One. Um, I mentioned that how I was in. Knoxville, Tennessee, after our game, got back to the hotel, and um, Virginia Tech was finishing up their game against, I think, North Carolina. Their center, Liz Kitley, hits this game-winning shot, and they cut immediately to her dad in the stands, who's this big dude, and he is just, I think, did, did you, I think I showed it to you, yeah. I retweeted it, the joy, just the pure pride and joy of his celebration um, I absolutely loved it was it was just incredible like just seeing a parent celebrate like that um, for their child in an you know completely not planned out way it was uh, it was great to watch those are some of my favorite me moments that happened during the tournament as well 
And the second thing, you had mentioned that it was the first big snowfall we've gotten this winter. And I'm not sure if I've talked about this before on the podcast or not. But there's a woman at our grocery store who has a farm. I've definitely talked about this. I think you mentioned this. And I may have mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. She told me in the next couple of weeks we are going to have a big snowstorm. How do I? How does she know? By her horse's behavior. How her horses are behaving. And, um, and... I say over the course of the last two or three winters, she said this to me a handful of times and has always been accurate. I'm picturing now always. her horse standing on its hind legs in front of a green screen with uh, one of those pointy sticks uh, pointing out a, a cold front coming in from the... Right. Right. She from said Alberta. Her, her horses love to roll around in the snow, play in the snow. Yeah, I definitely talked about this. And so she doesn't... So she's like, so I didn't brush them because I knew once the snow came, they're just going to roll around and, you know, that's going to help their coat or whatever anyway. But um, and she is she is the most accurate weather person. You're going I to the grocery today? Around. You're going to the grocery today? I, uh, yes. If you see her. Mm-hmm. I'll ask her. Or First of all, I'll say thank you. You were right once again. Maybe I should uh, ask her for her cell number so she can just text me when the horses talk to her. That horse needs to get on TV as, as the weather horse. Exactly. You know, they have Futurecast 5000 and uh, Doppler Radar. Let's get a weather horse. Right. Straight from right. the horse's mouth. Finally, uh, let's get to DGS, shall we? We shall. Uh, the great Dr. Gary Siegel writes... Dear Rebecca and Steve from New Orleans, on Lundi Gras, the Monday night before Fat Tuesday, I find myself short on time but long on thoughts. I have witnesses for the second year in a row the spectacle of a parade in New Orleans tonight after sunset. Attached is a picture of a giant illuminated float that is built like a train. And indeed, uh, Dr. Siegel does attach a photograph. Uh, look look at this. I mean, scenes of, of, uh, of beauty and... and uh, Debauchery, no doubt, uh, in in New Orleans. Lesser floats came by, sandwiched between high school and college marching bands with flag drill teams and majorettes. It is quite the spectacle that truly has to be seen to be believed, and at least from sundown until 9 p.m., it was family-friendly in the part of New Orleans from which we viewed, a few miles away from the French Quarter. Rebecca, um, I'm, I'm trying and failing to imagine... A, a family scene, friendly? A, no, no, not no. family. Uh, he said uh, up until about 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. I'm trying and failing to imagine you uh, having uh, a desire to attend Mardi Gras, to uh, to see the ball drop in Times Square, to Oof. to be in a crowd of more than three people on any given holiday. Uh, both of those, both Mardi Gras and the ball dropping um, sound awful. Awful. To you. To me. Please. I, I know lots of people enjoy it. I, I know. Like, we, 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 could, we could say that about almost anything. I know lots of people enjoy that, but it sounds awful to me. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking break, as you know. I, I never went on spring break because we were always still playing basketball. But you wouldn't have gone? Nah, maybe in those days. No, I wouldn't have. I'd like to go to parties in those days, but not something like that. No. In those days. In those a party days. is the last thing you want to attend now. Pretty much. Zero interest. <laughs> That's fine, right? Sure. At my age, there would be a problem if at my age I was like clamoring, when's the next party? If Where's the next party? What, when can I go on college spring break? Yes. Like, oh, let's, at our age, should it, we want it would, it would to be, be in would, Times it, Square it would, it would on be New Year's a, Eve? No, no, I, I would never want to be. I, I lived in New York for 10 years and, and 
God knows, I'd never wanted to be in Times Square, uh, not on New Year's Eve. You know, in my early 20s, I was in New York on New Year's Eve and even then smart enough to avoid Times Square. Well, of course. Uh, That's that's why I I say there's a few things you like less than crowds, though you make a living uh, attending crowded sporting events. Yeah, I don't mind those kind of crowds. No, but you're, 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 you're walled off from the, uh, from the masses. But if, like, but if I was attending the sporting event as a fan, I would enjoy. I would enjoy that. I wouldn't enjoy a a giant party in that same <laughs> in that same venue. But watching a sporting I love the event, way you say okay party, 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 party. Um, yeah, that's fine, and I'm fine with that. I'm completely fine with with that part of me. Are you okay with that part of me, or do you wish I was well, more of a I would party say, goer? No, I, I think you consider a crowd two people more than one. So, so yeah, <laughs> sometimes so. that's true. Um, so let's get to um, Dr. Siegel, Dr. Siegel's enumerated uh, okay. observations this week. One, upon our arrival at 8 a.m. local time at the New Orleans airport, most were drinking coffee and water at the bars. Although I did see a few harder drinks. Mm, okay. 9 a.m. That's, that's pretty good. Oh, 8 a.m. 8 a.m. local. Two, alert viewer Noah's story of selling items to celebrities was a huge hit last podcast, selling all that wonderful stuff in the Rand McNally yeah. store in Seattle. Yeah. I mean, I, I would listen I would listen to hours of a podcast in which people talked about celebrities who came into the place where they worked. You know? Yeah. Because it's a, it's a different celebrity encounter when they have to approach you. Right. They're trying to get something from you. Yeah, absolutely. Three, I'm a bit worried that Marty the robot might escape and somehow interact with Chat GPT and begin to attempt to conquer the world as in the fantastic Battlestar Galactica reboot of the early 2000s featuring James Edward Olmos. Is it James Edward Olmos, Rebecca, or is it Edward James Olmos? I think it's Edward James Olmos. I, he, uh, Dr. Siegel, this is a quick Google search. Dr. Siegel writes uh, James Edward Olmos. And, uh, yes, good but, catch. But the actor is Edward James Olmos, right? Correct. So uh, Dr. Siegel, I think Dr. Siegel uh, has conjured an actor named James Edward Olmos, who is nearly <laughs> Edward James Olmos. Four, Rebecca mentioned that humans. This is the thanks he gets, by the way, from writing every week. I, I, I completely. If there's a misspelling, I, I, you pounce. If he, I apologize. He I completely ignored the, the, the yeah, middle and first name. You pounce, Doctor Siegel. I'm on your side on this one. Well, I mean, Doctor Siegel is uh, is a is a skilled uh, physician. He's also a great letter writer. He is also no, no. no I'm, I'm not saying as compensation. I'm he saying I'm buddies. saying <laughs> I'm saying his attention to to detail is is paramount. In his profession, and I, and I can see why he might not uh, extend the same intense concentration to the names of uh, of actors in in the Battlestar Galactica reboot. I mean, he brought up the Battlestar Galactica reboot. Let's let's forget the rest of it. Okay, keep going. Okay. Four. Uh, my apologies, Doctor Siegel. Four. Rebecca mentioned that humans aren't equipped to sleep in three-hour segments, and I couldn't agree more. It was a busy week last week with seven babies, but Saturday afternoon at 5 p.m., as I tried to sneak away from the hospital to go to the gym, nature brought to labor and delivery a 12-hour triple play with three deliveries over the course of the night. Wow. And yet, and yet 
he can't remember the name of actor Edward James Olmos. No complaints here, however, as it is a pleasant occupational hazard, although missing the gym three days in a row delayed me from listening to the podcast, which I finished on the plane this morning. It was a big Saturday night indeed. Wow. Three babies delivered, hops on a plane, Delta or Southwest, depending on whether he or Mrs. DGS booked the flight, and then they're off to uh, Mardi Gras, Mm -hmm. Lindy Gras. Mm -hmm. Five, you know what the only thing that could be better than that, Rebecca? What? Flying, delivering three babies, flying to Lindigra, and being served warm pineapple en route. I bet he didn't get warm pineapple. Five, attached, please find a picture from February 16th when I was fortunate enough to be a queen bee with a New York Times spelling bee. Congratulations, Dr. Siegel. However, I must confess that I used the community resource and today's hints to obtain a perfect score, perhaps imperfectly. I don't know what the community resource is, and today's hints, I've never clicked on that. But I will say that a uh, when when really pressed to get the queen bee, Doctor Siegel, you can put the letters into a uh, an anagram generator. Doesn't always help, but it might get you across the finish line. Six, depending on when the podcast is released, there will be a live 2023 Formula One cars in anger on the track in Bahrain. As testing is Thursday to Saturday, the first race of 2023 is in early March. As we record this, it's March first, Rebecca. That's right. Seven, lastly, Mrs. DGS and I are spending a week in New Orleans looking after our four-year-old granddaughter during a busy week, and we hope to update the podcast with some good news with my next submission. But for now, mum's the word. Should I have left that bit out of the podcast? I don't know. I don't either. Um, well, on that cryptic note, all the best, uh, Dr. Siegel. Dr. Siegel, we wish you uh, all the best. And um, I don't know that we have anything else for for our viewers this week, Rebecca. Well, I think we've given them plenty. Well, that's immodest of you to say. In terms of minutes. And inaccurate. Yes. In terms of minutes, yes. On that note. 48 minutes, actually, of full NBA game. No load management. Tom Dick Hall. Oh, first, thank you to Denny Gallagher. Producer Denny Gallagher, who texted me yesterday and said, pod this week, question mark. And it, it, it uh, it was... understandable it's completely my fault that there was not one last week and uh and a little aggressive (laughs) denny thank you tom dick hari please play us out saying says no pain no gain and we found that to be fact road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane, who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane